Today on the Topping Show, Disney's Mandalorian tanks in the ratings, Chick Flake continues to dominate, Dogecoin drops in value after Twitter drops them, JP Morgan Chase says the government should seize private property in the stake for climate control, Super Mario Brothers movie debuts, can Trump get a fair trial, and Chipotle wins a lawsuit. All of that and much, much more on the Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topic Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added research and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader, use a little assistance. Reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, jumping into the business part of the podcast, Chick-fil-A continues to grow exponentially. Their 2022 sales totaled $19 billion, which is especially impressive considered their 2021 sales for the year was $16.7 billion, equating to about 13.8% growth, while many businesses are shrinking and contracting, especially impressive. Now, the drive through methodology seems to be key to this. They double and triple the lanes to deploy an army employees to go outside and assist, so it can be actually efficient and expedient. Granted, I'm usually an old soul in terms of, it takes me a while to like check out the quote-unquote new thing on the block. So one of my friends actually took me to Chick-fil-A for the first time last month, and I was shocked just how quickly we were able to go through the drive-thru and how polite and professional all those employees were in an industry which you may not be used to that particular experience, especially how clean and is a very unusually exceptional and positive experience for quote-unquote fast food. Now, their drive-thru locations averaged an 18 averaged $18.5 million a year, up from $18.1 million in 2021, the first 8.5 coin from 2002. And if you go back in time even further, they made $7.1 million in 2020. They also note that locations without drive through average a yearly revenue of $2.7 million a year. And that is astonishing how much that drive through helps. I'm actually more surprised that there's locations that don't have drive through I don't know if that's due to city ordinances or... I can't think of a logical reason for them not to have that at a particular location, especially when they are this successful and that's one of the keys to their success. It's all the more impressive when you have to remember Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. So they're only, they are working six days a week. Their competitors are working seven days a week and they're still beating their competitors, especially impressive. You also have companies similar with Hobby Lobby, which has a religiously faith-based company. They're famously closed on Sunday as well. They consistently outperform other hobby-based stores similar to Texas-based Michaels being their probably most well-known comparison and competition. Now, going on to more interesting streaming news as the streaming wars continue, Disney names a new streaming boss. Now, they called upon Joe Early to head their direct-to-consumer streaming platform, which is a fancy word of them just saying Disney+. Plus. Now, Joe Early was previously the president of the streaming platform Hulu, and some speculate that it's a telltale sign that Disney is going to be fully acquiring Hulu. Currently, they have a two-thirds stake in the company Hulu, and which is an interesting platform. And like most platforms and streaming services, the key is the intellectual property. All the shows that have exclusivity contracts with them, meaning shows are locked in, they will only be streamed on that platform, as well as the originally produced content. I think one of the most famous ones is Solar Opposites, which is created by a co-producer of Rick and Morty, which is probably the most successful intellectual property produced on Adult Swim. Now, a couple of my friends and I, I never really, 
Hulu always annoyed me when I attempted to use it years ago because they had the certain payment platforms and the one that I used had the commercials built in. So you were paying, but it's still the commercials, which I understand you have different price points for different folks. But after that, I was like, eh, I'll stick to just working and not doing much streaming. Now, it'll be interesting to see what is his role going to be when Disney's long, big-term goal for this year is to cut costs. Famously, they said they're going to cut about 7,000 employees from the company as they're having to increase the competition and, of course, a bleak economy. And, of course, hyperinflation, hyperinflation just detrimentally destroying everyone. And everyone's going to have to adapt to that. And... That would probably be some cost savings there to buy the company and merge it into it, get rid of a lot of redundant roles, and also get rid of or decrease the issue of all these consumers having streaming fatigue, which is a fancy way of saying people are getting annoyed by having to pay for five to ten different entertainment subscriptions. Granted, I'm too frugal to pay for even one. It's just life's too short, and I work 105 hours a week just for my tech company alone. But there are some people paying multiple streaming subscriptions. They're just getting annoyed with it because there are so many out there and right now everyone or most people are trying to decrease their expenses and one of the quickest and easiest things to rationally decrease expense wise is entertainment it's one of the first things people cut a lot harder to cut food and a lot of the other things that you pay for are locked in like your rent your lease your mortgage a lot of those are fixed expenses there's only a few variable expenses you can control so if Disney could buy it and then merge it into it so that now you just have one, Disney Plus entails all the Hulu and all that, maybe that'd be another interesting development. Now, Dogecoin dropped in value after the Twitter company dropped the logo. So Elon hilariously actually used the Dogecoin logo as the Twitter logo for a couple of days, I think. And Dogecoin, just a background there, a cryptocurrency developed by software engineers Billy Marcus and Jackson Palmer, who actually made it as a joke on the wild speculation of cryptocurrencies at the time. And ironically enough, and hilariously enough, they made it as a joke, but then a bunch of people bought into it, kind of proving their point of how volatile and how astonishingly crazy, fascinating cryptocurrencies can be. Now, they went up in value April 3rd after Elon started to use the logo for Twitter. When, they, when he switched it out, they dropped their stock by about 6% in value. Now, concerning business philosophical news, JP Morgan, CEO, JP Morgan Chase, which is all the acquisitions, the big, big company altogether with all the entities their ceo says the government should seize property seize private property for climate control which should be concerning now in his annual letter to shareholders ceo jamie diamond suggested that u.s government and climate conscious companies may need to seize land and to stay up off climate disaster quote government businesses and non-governmental organization may need to invoke eminent domain in order to get the quote-unquote Adequate investments fast enough for grid, solar, wind, and pipeline initiatives. Now, step back a bit. Eminent domain is a lot of speculation. The actual definition is a legal term which describes the government using its power to expropriate, expropriate, also known as stealing, land, private property for public use, provided that the government provides the private owner, owner quote-unquote, proper compensation, which... Who knows how much you could really compensate someone for their land. It's not, it is somewhat of a cliche, but you hear about the stories of the old farmer where the government he's been working the land for his family generations, and the government comes in and says, we want to put a highway through your land, and we're going to give you money. You don't have a choice. 
that is rudimentary speaking what eminent domain is. A lot of people, many people push back on it because many say it's unethical. It's also how do you determine the quote unquote fair value of the land since land typically goes up in value? Do you pay them on the futures of the land or just the current market price? And even then, how much negotiating power do you have when it's not, they can't say no. So it's inherently not going to be a fair negotiation. I don't even know if there is negotiation to be honest. So it'll be interesting to see all these companies starting to push those initiatives, saying that they need more and more land. And it's also one of those things where there's a lot of empty land in the United States still, where if you wanted to, you could put a bunch of solar panels. Whether it will work in that area is another thing in and of itself. That's why places like California, there's a lot of solar panels because there's a lot of sunlight there. It makes sense. Does it make sense to spend millions upon millions of dollars to put solar panels in Maine, where it's cloudy most of the year, or New England? Like, No, it doesn't. It sounds good, maybe, but if you look at the big picture, all their alternative solutions would be much more effective. But needless, needless to say, that's quite concerning. They want to, his ideal is well, just steal land and we'll just trust us. All these initiatives will work. Now, going on to the Culture Probably podcast, the Super Mario Brother movies is critically acclaimed by the actual people who are fans, not the cliche traditional Hollywood critics, which are more and more disconnected from reality, I find. Now, the movie did star Chris Pratt, who Hollywood traditionally hates because he's Christian and he eats meat. And I have to say, he does have some entertaining pictures where he'll post on social media his latest hunt, and I'll be like, I made all this delicious food thanks to this. Which is a hell of a lot healthier for you and better for the environment and the whole world than the processed stuff you buy at the store where it goes to the factory farm and who knows what's going on there. And you're eating it straight from the wild. There's no additives, no preservatives, no, there's nothing. It's just pure nature. So if I had the opportunity to actually go out and hunt my own food, that'd be an exceptionally opportunity. It'd be, I've had fresh food in that regard or that for my friends have gone hunting and the meat always tastes amazing. If that's something I could do, I would do it. Now, Rotten Tomatoes, they're critically, they're quote unquote critics, the professional ones in Hollywood. They rated the movie 54%. Now, the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes from the actual fans is 98%, which just further shows the huge disconnect between Hollywood and, I know it's cliche to say, but middle America, or perhaps rational America, both rare and good places to be. Now, some morons, I mean highly acclaimed critics, um, they said that there's nothing more to the movie than a bunch of references to past video games, nostalgia, of course, it's a Super Mario Brothers movie. You're not, you're not tuning in for a high cerebral Shakespearean storyline. I mean, you're going in because that was a video game character you grew up with, and it spans across multiple generations and it's been on multiple platforms, multiple consoles. So it's a great, maybe a family movie. I, I hesitate to say that just because I haven't vetted it out myself, and who knows the whole context of it in these days always be more careful than not when you're evaluating content for your children. But of course it's going to have all those references. That's what the fans want. So all the people who are fans of Super Mario Brothers, the video games, the franchise, they all love the movie. The people who maybe have only heard of Mario Brothers, they hated it. Now, other interesting news that actually highlights the further disconnect of Hollywood, Disney's Mandalorian show tanks in the ratings, and they, for some reason, hired Lizzo and Jack Black for cameos. Now, The Mandalorian 
started off as being one of the most fascinating popular pop culture productions in years. All the original Die Hard Star Wars fans went to it, and a lot of people who never heard of Star Wars really got into the show, and it's hard to be interested to see how much money they made off the merchandising alone with all the toys, all the swag, everything in and of itself. Multi-billion dollar acquisition is paying off for Disney, needless to say. Now, the show started to go down in popularity after they fired Gina Carano last year for her political beliefs. She tweeted that, quote, Jews were being beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even children. She also compared the treatment of Republicans in the United States to Jews in Germany. Which, and she also said, you should just be nice to your neighbors. And she just said, be nice in general. So she's, she had a lot more prior political statements before that, that hinted that her political affiliations being more right than extreme left, which is rare in Hollywood. And a lot of people are speculating that they were looking for a reason to fire her. And Daily Wire, which is a brilliant acquisition on their part, they were a conservative media company based out of Tennessee. They noticed she was out of the job. They hired her and they started to produce their own movies. So the free market always wins, and that's a brilliant move as Disney continues to alienate some of their traditional fans. Now, in season three, most recently, that's when the show is really dropping in popularity for The Mandalorian. Now, compared to season two, the total minutes viewed were dropped by 200 million, which equates to about a 20% decline. And other Niels, other reports, such as by the Nielsen, they rated it between a 20 to 25% decline in overall viewership. And oddly enough, I still understand why they picked Lizzo and Jack Black for cameos. Now, Lizzo allegedly has talent, and some say she is a rapper and a flutist. She is most famously known for desecrating a 200-year-old ceremonial flute with mediocre notes while twerking, wearing as little clothing as seemingly possible. And she's a big deal. And I don't say that metaphorically. I mean, she likes you know because she wears very little clothes and she's quite big. Now, a lot of historians found this disgusting because that, that glass flute was a ceremonial, ceremonial gift to James Madison over 200 years ago. Now, unfortunately, a lot of American schools no longer teach history. So here's a little mini history class for free. James Madison was known as one of the founding fathers. He was the fourth president of the United States, serving from 1909 to eight, or sorry, <laughs> wow, 1809 to 1817. He was known as the father of the Constitution, thanks to his role in drafting and promoting the Constitution and Bill of Rights. And back in the back in the day, there was a fire, and only two things were saved: the portrait of George Washington and that glass flute. And it had never been played, which is also another important historical note in terms of it's not, it was a ceremonial gift not meant to be used. They had a similar gift after the Civil War where many of the generals were given a ceremonial pistol where it was a beautifully engraved handgun and they actually made some high quality bullets. I believe some of them were even gold plated. And in that case, it was meant as a historical piece of history that we're making this gun, but we'll never have to use it kind of thing. And to actually use that particular piece of history would be an insult to the creator and the the creator as well as the whole ideal behind the item in and of itself. And I blame the National Historical Museum, or I forget the actual government entity that allowed this to happen, but she picked it up and started playing it and twerking in the most disrespectful manner possible. And she even she didn't even play anything patriotic on the flute, not that I even think it was manners, but it's just one of those things where 
it worked for her because she got more fame and more people are talking about her. But in terms of his a piece of history being desecrated, it's just as someone who especially is appreciative of U.S. history, I found it completely and utterly distasteful. Now, the Mandalorian may just also be suffering from being longer than it's meant to be. And a lot of shows, unfortunately, come to that fate where they hit money right off the bat. They're basically printing money. More and more people are tuning in. And they just don't know when to stop. Maybe we should call this the inverse John Wick effect. I say inverse because John Wick is one of the few movies in the past decades where every movie that comes out, it on average, nearly doubles in revenue. Which is unheard of for sequels. So maybe that's... We'll call this phenomenon the inverse John Wick. Now, going on to the interesting political news, they had a couple of polls coming out recently, and a lot of people are wondering, will Trump get a fair trial in a district and state that overwhelmingly voted against him? Now, this poll was conducted by YouGov, Y-O-U-G-O-V, so you can look it up online. It's about 35 pages, I think, of fun tables if you like looking into that. The there's two interesting polls. The first one asking, would he get a fair trial? was conducted with 1,500 U.S. adults. 40% say that he cannot get a fair trial in New York. 39% think that he can get a fair trial in New York. Now, interestingly enough, 65% of Democrats think that he can that justice will be fairly administrated. 69% of Republicans think that the fair trial will not be possible. So it's not... Those numbers aren't too surprising. Unfortunately, it seems like a lot of people are entrenched in their original thoughts and original... It's very much a party line issue. Now, other interesting though, 38% of independents from that poll thought that the fair, a fair trial would not be possible, and 33% of independents thought that a fair trial would be possible. So it's interesting that each of these polls show him gaining a little bit more in terms of perception and vote, well, poll votes, from the independents out there, which if he wants any chance to win, that's where he needs to focus because that's where he lost famously in 2020. Independents and stay-at-home moms were two of the demographics most famously that he lost votes for compared to 2016 when he was first voted in and he actually won. Now, other interesting poll that they, by the same company, YouGov, same thing with 1,500 US adults, they asked, who do you vote for today? Trump versus Biden. And this is after the, it was fascinating to see the results before and after the indictment. So, before the indictment, Biden led 45% to Trump 43%. After the indictment, they noted that Trump was up 44% saying yes, Biden 42% for him, and then undecided 14%. Now, the most perplexing thing about this poll is who the hell is saying they're uncertain about who they're going to vote for between if you have a binary choice between those two candidates it's basically a repeat of the 2020 of the 2020 election i mean it's the same candidates and it, like trump biden are undecided choose it's when it comes to these types of polls granted it'd be nice if they had the independent option in there but in this poll they're look, they're looking for that particular data how are 14 percent people still yeah, I, I don't know who I'm going to pick. I, I don't know. I, do, I don't have no data about these two candidates. We have all the data ever possible. The only thing you might be waiting for is the actual results of the indictment. But besides that, you have both of their historic, you have use cases. They both were president. You have all of that data. 
I don't hear them changing a lot of their policies recently. So I don't know what they're waiting for. But nevertheless, this is also, I don't know if 2%, and again, this is 1,500 users or 1,500 pulleys. So I don't know if 2% is really enough for Trump to actually win. And also, we still don't know if DeSantis is going to be running. And a lot of people are going to be attracted to him because of his proven track record of leading Florida successfully throughout COVID, attracting more businesses to go there, more people to move there. So if he were to choose to go into the ring, a lot of people are speculating he will. How will that affect these polls once Trump has some realistic competition, as opposed to right now, where there's a couple of people who have said that they are, they've announced they're running for the primary to get the nominee. But most of those folks don't have enough of a following behind him, in my opinion, to really make a dent. So right now, I was get, if you were Trump were to primary with the current candidates in the, out there, I think he would win it. Now, other interesting news going on to the business blunder of the day. Sweet Green got sued by Chipotle. Now, Sweet Green is a, another restaurant. They are changing, because of this lawsuit, they're going to change the name of a menu item. And they're kind of in the fault because this is a silly name. Now, this is the first name that they chose for menu item, which caused them to get sued. This They chose their gist to be called Chipotle Chicken Burrito Bowl, which is ridiculous. It's, it's one of the few times where I 110% agree that's patent and trademark infringement. The name of the company is right in the beginning of it. Now, granted, Chipotle is, I had to look this up. I've been there once or twice, but in the years ago. Now, Chipotle is in the dictionary. The definition is a mature jalapeno pepper that is smoked until dried, used whole, or ground into spice, especially in Mexican cooking. And Chipotle sued them on the grounds of trademark infringement. So they won it. So they're going to, Sweet Green is changing the name of the item menu to Chicken and Chipotle Pepper Bowl, which is a fair compromise because you don't have the name being first so people won't get as confused if you just have it as a afterthought in the name but still to choose that and think you're not going to get sued that'd be like me coming out and saying we're going to have coca-cola topping no it just wouldn't work you're putting their name trademarked before yours it's just a blatant way to try to confuse consumers it's just ridiculous now, nevertheless, that has to be the business blunder of the day, whoever chose that name. Now, next week is going to be an especially interesting episode. Going to be doing a lot of research over the weekend. No spoilers. Want to go ahead and thank everyone for subscribing. Excited to say we've had a lot of growth the past couple of weeks. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. And don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.